0: Careful now So cool to be playing
1: vinyl Vinyl. Took
0: the record off the turntable You ready for this?
1: Welcome to Behind the Vinyl Here's your host, Stu Jeffries Welcome to another opportunity to educate yourself on the music you hear all the time But lack the little details about how the songs came to be In this episode, three more stars drop the needle on one of their biggest hits And tell us a story or two about it Former lead singer of Foreigner, Lou Graham, talks about Midnight Blue and where some of the lyrical inspiration stemmed from.
0: I remember what my father said, he said, son, life is simple. It's either cherry red or it's midnight blue. And and that, that powered us into the chorus.
1: Before we get to Lou, Brian Potvin and Don Schmidt of the Northern Pikes are big fans of simplicity. Especially when it comes to music and creating a song that has some staying power. Here they talk simply about their song, She Ain't Pretty.
2: This is so cool. I don't. I, you know, I'll be honest with you, Dee. I didn't even know. I didn't know that there was vinyl up this <laughs> album.
1: Seriously. Right.
2: I was under this impression that. 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 This was going to be the first domestic release for Virgin in Canada. On CD only? That was CD and tape only. That they were not going to do vinyl. I'm. This is kind of weird that this actually exists. I really want one. And you have several copies. I do have a few. You're packing. I'm packing. I uh. uh, do you
3: recall, Brian, that you actually didn't want to play us this song when you wrote it. No.
2: I, you know, it's interesting with, with, with the Pikes because I feel like two of the real important songs in, in, our, in our career, this one and Money, were songs that both the writers, Jay and I, thought, were a little too outside, or, like, didn't fit into what we were doing, mm-hmm. and, um, so... But She and Pretty, wouldn't you
3: say, it's probably the closest song that we demoed to the final version? Oh like, God, it's yeah. almost identical. Yeah, yeah. It's almost identical.
2: Yeah. No, there was... I, I feel like when I wrote it, I I wrote it very economically, you know, just... Budget? There was, yeah, there was just, there was no room for, for, you know, I had to tell this story in a real concise amount of time, and it was just all about cutting fat, the whole thing. It was just trim, trim, trim. I do recall the first time we played it live was before
3: we actually recorded it for this album in Calgary in the summer of 89. And by the second chorus, the audience sang back, Shane she just looks that way. we had never had a song (laughs) that ever had done that before, so we kind of knew that, okay, this has something special about it. I also remember when we picked up Stan Celeste, the late Stan Celeste, um, who played piano on the song, um, played with the band, um, and I picked him up, or a few of us picked him up at the train station in Kingston, New York, and it was late at night and we thought for sure he'd want to go to bed and get up and we'll start in the morning, and he said, it's a full moon, boys, let's rock. So yeah, we recorded Yeah, why it. waste a full moon, I think yeah why, why why exact quote. So I think we recorded it like 2, 3 in the morning, shame pretty. Yeah.
1: There's Brian Potvin and Don Schmidt of the Northern Pikes on Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries. Michael Sadler of Saga joins this episode with a seriously cool story of how the producer for the song Wind Him Up woke him up one morning while he was lying in bed to sing a key part of the song.
4: Close enough. Wind Him Up. Worlds Apart. How many decades ago was that? Um, Farmyard Studios' Little Chalfont, England first time working with Rupert Hine and Stephen Taylor, the engineer, two guys that uh, they were, it was like a psychic thing watching them work together. I remember being in the studio one day and just sitting back on the couch and and watching the two of them sit at the board. And They were listening to something, I can't remember what it was, and the playback finished and Rupert was just leaning, they were both leaning on the console, and Rupert just kind of glanced over at Steve. They didn't say a word. They just kind of looked at each other and Steve leaned forward and adjusted something and they played it again. Rupert just looked at him just kind of nodded and I said, what, I what's going on here? Uh, they just, they had worked so much together that they, they just knew, uh, each of them knew what each other was thinking and they were hearing the same thing at the same time. But uh, uh, they were real... Uh, perfectionist, but uh, really thinking out of the box with certain things. I mean, a great example of that was in Wind em Up. Um, the quiet section when it all breaks down in the middle, uh, the vocal is supposed to be really relaxed and really quiet and it's an octave lower and they wanted a kind of smoky, kind of uh, gritty kind of voice, was singing it too cleanly. Uh, so we tried it a few times the, the night before and, and we just didn't quite get it and Rupert said, you know, we'll, we'll leave that for now, we'll try it again tomorrow. And uh, it's about 8 o'clock in the morning, I think, 8.30 in the morning. And the accommodations were the old, uh, I mean, it was an old, uh, the, the studio itself was a, the old barn of the farm. Of uh, course, you've got a great live room because of that. The accommodation were the old stables, so you had to walk across the big parking lot area. And I was dead asleep, 8, 8.30 in the morning, and I hear somebody walk into my room. And I'm barely awake, and I kind of open my eyes a little bit, and in comes the, the, the engineer, the tape-off. And he's got a, a, a boom, and the microphone attached, and headphones, and he walks over, he slips the headphones on me, sets up the mic. I, I'm just still laying there, and he puts the mic right in front of my face. i got the headphones on, he closes the door, and I hear either Rupert or Steve on the other end of the headphones saying, Morning, Michael. You know the you know the song, you go it full wall lead in, just sing along. And, like, uh, uh. and they started the middle section of him up and the part came and I just kinda went, Windem up he can't. Just like
0: that.
4: One take, uh the Tap came walking back in the room, took off the handphones, took the microphone away, and off he went, closed the door, and I was laying there going, What just happened? And put my house coat on. Went over to the studio. and was like, "Good morning." And I'm like, "They're full, full at it at eight, eight fifteen in the morning." And I said, uh, "I said, what just happened?" He said, "Well, you remember we were trying to get that kind of effect." I said, "He said, uh, listen to this," and he played it back. And I went, "Oh my god!" Because I wasn't thinking about it, and I, they just wanted that kind of very relaxed. Don't, don't even think about the melody. Just kind of sing it off as if you're just thinking it. So, I mean, they were loaded with those kind of ideas, it was just uh, that kind of an album. But, uh, I remember writing this record in uh, Maidenhead, this little town where we all lived in the same house. and uh, put this whole album together, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I think the success of the album, the, the, the strength of the songwriting, came from uh, the, idea, the fact that we were all working together every day. We'd get up in the morning, have breakfast, and go straight at it, and just, just the, the change of environment. We've done the first three albums in Toronto with Paul Gross at Phase One. And I think the change of environment, the change of, of producer, um, just just shaking things up a bit was, was a great influence in, in opening our minds to a different kind of writing. Um, consequently, you know, it became one of our best-selling records. So. I, one of my favorites, actually.
1: Saga, wind up with Michael Sadler on Behind the Vinyl. I'm Stu Jeffries, and what a thrill to have Lou Graham grace our series. The man, the voice, the legend. Here, Lou explains the process involved with making one of his biggest solo hits, Midnight Blue.
0: I remember uh, stumbling upon the, the intro chords to this song. I'm, I'm not a guitar player, believe me. I, I, uh, I, I don't know my way around the instrument, but I was able to, to find these particular chords and find that rhythm. And, and, it, and it sounded real good to me, and uh, I, I put that down on top of uh, a drum beat that I was playing, uh, and and uh, so so I had the the chords and the drum beat, and I, and I just kept playing that over and over again, and and uh, the, the the thing that sounded good with it was was this this kind of half talking, half singing that that i was doing in in the verse uh, i ain't got no regrets losing track of I, I was singing but i was excuse me i was kind of talking it too and uh, it was almost uh, dylan-esque uh, and and uh it, it 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 just sounded like a like telling a story and and then and then uh part way through that verse then then it, it it became all singing, and uh, and the story continued, and and uh, uh, it 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 ended up going into the to the chorus of Midnight Blue. Uh, I remember what my father said. He said, "Son, life is simple. It's either cherry red or it's midnight blue," and and that that powered us into the chorus of the song. And uh, it, it was um, it, it's it's a simple song, but it but it's. It's, it's very infectious, and uh, the chords and the, and the repetitive beat and, and uh, the instrumentation, it's, it, it's the kind of song that you could hear over and over again and, and, and not get tired of it, and, uh, and um, recording it was a lot of fun, and, and playing it was just, just really fun. Uh, we we you know, got a lot of airplay on the radio, for that song in 1987 it was the number one played song in the country and um, it did climb the charts i think it got up to number five and uh we we really did enjoy playing it live uh it always got great response and and uh you know i i consider uh i consider that uh to be one of one of the better songs i've ever written
1: That's Lou Graham with Midnight Blue on Behind the Vinyl. Thanks for listening. I'm Stu Jeffries with a reminder to subscribe to Behind the Vinyl and check out some of our previous episodes if you enjoy finding out how some of your favorite songs come together. See you next time. This has been Behind the Vinyl, the podcast. Hosted by Stu Jeffries. Audio production courtesy of Doug Morehouse, Derek Walsman, and Troy McCallum. Thanks for listening.